Bird. But first, let's look at the future of print media in the context of the ever-advancing digital technology which typifies the media in latter day. Uh, the Future of Newspapers seminar was held recently at Wondrous Club in Ilovo, and it featured Professor Anton Harbour as the keynote speaker, amongst other speakers, of course. And uh, Professor Harbour joins us now to talk about this. Uh, Professor Harbour is Professor of Journalism and Media Studies at Caxton, and is also Director of the Journalism Program at the University of Vidvartisrand. And... Um, we will also be joined by Mr. Luke McKent, Country Director for Google South Africa, and uh, also speak to Mr. Mike Sherman, who is the founder of Retroviral Digital Communication. A little later, we should be joined by Ms. Giselle Wertheim-Eins. Uh, we're struggling to get hold of her. Oh, she is on the line, so we speak to her as well. Professor Harbour, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. If I can just um, clarify, I don't work for Caxton. Uh, I'm, I'm based at the uh, at Wits University, but I am the Caxton Professor of Journalism. I see. Got that. Thank you very much for the clarification, Professor. And Ms. Giselle Wertheim-Eins, good morning to you too. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Mr. McKent, thank you for joining us. Good morning. And Mr. Mike Sherman, good morning to you too, sir. Charmin, yes. How's it going? Hi there. I'll start with you, Professor Harbour. Perhaps if you could give us a brief overview of the uh, the South African media landscape. To what extent has it transformed to a more digitised media? And what's the value of this? And are all the role players leveraging and um, and optimising on this new space? Well, um, like media around the world, we're going through that transition. Um, digital media and um, various elements of our media are at different stages of that. In print, it's uh, both a difficult and a very exciting time um, because um, the audience uh, and, and much of the advertising has started to move uh, to digital or other media, uh, but still much of the revenue comes from print. So newspapers are currently caught in between having to move to digital, but still getting most of their revenue from traditional print. All right. Let me bring you in here, Ms. Waltheim Ames. Now, the South African ADEX figures reveal that uh, magazines combined with digital are actually growing. There is a growth phase here. Is the format of magazines changing in this growth? Is, is the growth in the, in the digital space, or is the growth in the traditional form, the way we know magazines? I don't think magazines in the printed format are changing so much. In, in other words, their content or the, made, the way that they are made up. The change that's happening is within magazine publishers themselves. So they are basically working on a 360-degree model where you run a, a magazine, a print. You, you basically create content, mm. and that content then flows either into a print version of your magazine, a digital version, Digital could be a website, it could be a Mobi site, and it obviously would be an iPad version, downloadable. It could even be apps. And then, of course, you have events, and you have interactions and what we call activations, which are often linked to both the digital and print versions. So an example would be you set up an Instagram, a photo, a photo booth in a retail environment. You take Instagram pics and then you post those to Instagram, and then those photographs would flow back into the printed version when the monthly edition comes out. Mm. So that's really what's happening. So it's a model 
in which the way the business is running, that's having a fundamental impact because you're basically taking resources that previously could only operate in a print environment. Monthly magazines or fortnightly magazines operate very differently to daily news. Mm. You know, they have much longer lead times. At the average monthly magazine, we're, we're in production or we're creating content as much as two months in advance of producing a magazine, a printed version. Obviously, with digital, you are now daily. In fact, sometimes you're minute by minute. So you can see that that's been a massive shift. They are not separate teams doing this work. We have to work with one team to make it viable. And that's really the fundamental shift that's taken place. And it hasn't been, it's, I think I'd say it's in process. I don't believe we've evolved to it. There, there are a few magazines around the world that have evolved to this model. Mm. And those are the magazines or the brands, I'd rather call them brands, that are creating content that are actually um, thriving. Mm. The, rest, the rest are really starting to struggle because advertising revenue has been flowing out into the digital space, into radio and television. Mm. And has not, and certainly not magazines in South Africa, has managed to keep um, advertising at a growth level. We're basically the same still. And I guess what makes, uh, what makes digital more attractive to the advertiser is the fact that it has more consumers. Is, is that necessarily true? Yes, I know it has different consumers, and I think this is really important. Um, on magazines, the consumers are, are, are very loyal. They pay every single month or every fortnight, and, you know, not, not a small amount of money either. You know, the average magazine in South Africa today, the cover price is about 26 rand. You've got magazines that are as close to 50 rand for mm. a copy. So I think the, the, the level of interaction is very different between the two mediums. Digital is much faster. They jump in, they jump out. It's, it's a very fickle space, but yes, we're seeing the volumes growing there. So on one of my magazines, for example, like Elle, uh, when I launched Elle in the first decade of its existence, we had about 157,000 readers, if you take AMPS. And obviously in those days, we didn't have a website. We had one just you know, in the last part of the decade. Mm. Um, but today, we reach more than 400,000 people monthly, and that's all because of digital, wow. not because of the print, the magazine itself. So I would say that's a very positive story, but we have to understand those audiences are very different and they're interacting with the brand and the content very differently on these different platforms. Mr. McKent, let me bring you in here. And while we're talking about the digitization of media, what do you believe will influence the consumption and the purchase of media in the near future? I mean, what sort of considerations should should be made by publishers and advertisers? Well, I think one of the most important things, especially in South Africa, is the, the rise of, of the mobile device. And in particular, how much content is actually being consumed through, through cell phones. Um, it's absolutely astonishing when we look at the figures that we see at Google in South Africa, for instance, what we've noticed is that there are actually more searches on Google.co.za from mobile devices than there are on desktop devices. Mm. And this is a relatively recent shift. And I think the behavior of the consumer is actually moving so fast at the moment that it's very difficult for advertisers to develop strategies that actually keep up with this shift. So the conversation that we tend to, that we tend to have with most of our advertisers at the moment is how do you actually become mobile ready to deal with this, con- this shift in consumption from traditional, and it's amazing that you can actually refer to a laptop as a traditional device these days, mm-hmm. um, to something more like a mobile um, or a smartphone. I think that, that's probably one of the biggest shifts that we have to deal with at the moment. It's a huge pivot, even for businesses like Google, 
which have both revenues on the back of uh, internet advertising that traditionally would come from desktop or laptop um, to move to that mobile environment. And I think a, a lot of businesses are really struggling to cope with how you're going to reach consumers effectively in that space. Mm. And apart from the question which is posed there by Mr. McKend, Mr. Sherman, to bring you in there, uh, whether advertisers are mobile ready, what else should be forming the basis of the media and advertising agenda for the near future? And not only for print media, but all forms of media, radio, television, uh, magazines, digital, what should, should, should they be, what should the conversations be centering around? Sorry, it's Sharman, not Sherman. Sharman. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the most important thing is really, um, in, in terms of this conversation, a lot of the media owners are traditional media guys that have developed magazines, print, newspaper, whatever that may be, and then now they're trying to retrofit a model that was based on those traditional platforms into a digital space. And that's kind of where you know, the complexity lies, is that as your numbers in actual physical print sales start declining, and your audiences start growing from a digital point of view, from your website, from the app, from the mobile, all those kinds of elements. As those start increasing, you know, simple kind of banner rollout or page takeovers don't suffice because those are disruptive forms of advertising. And um, I think it might have been Luke who mentioned the, the content or one of the earlier gentlemen mentioning content. Content is the most important thing because that's the reason why people are consuming the information from your brand, from your media outlet, and that's why they've chosen to come to you for a specific reason. So in terms of niche audience collaboration and an actual segmentation, like that's really an important thing to consider. And then from a content point of view, and the way in which advertorials are structured or branded content, whether that be video or including imagery or using social media, like all those kinds of elements are very important considering you know, how the media is actually going to make money and, and sustain itself. Because mm. the biggest problem is that you know, the Internet has given us access to so much free information that people are looking for ways and means to find information without paying for without paying for subscriptions. So that's where the, the challenge lies is how do media package content? How do they gain value? How do they work with brands in smarter ways to ensure that you know, they don't end up closing down? Professor uh, uh, Haber, in what way does the future of media uh, inform the way that we teach media? I mean, you're a professor in a university. Um, and also tell us what your presentation at the seminar covered. Well, my presentation really looked at the, uh, the challenges facing uh, newspapers and how we're adapting to the changes you're hearing about. Clearly, um, um, it's quite right that a major shift um, is to people consuming news on mobile devices. So certainly in newspapers, um, we're having to come to terms with the fact that young people in particular are consuming, are finding and consuming their news in completely different ways. And, um, and we have to adapt to understand uh, and, and, and give it to them in ways in which um, they're eager and willing to use it. Mm. Um, and, and that's overwhelmingly now moving to mobile, and that's a very different um, way of delivering and, and, and producing news. The, the, the work of the journalists is changing so fundamentally um, that we're really, we're really having to race to keep pace with, uh, for example, the impact of social media. Our research is certainly showing that most young people, um, they, they first get their news, they first find their news on social media. 
and the other media is racing to um, uh, to keep up with that. To keep up with that. Um, you, you make the point, Ms. Wertheim Ames, that globally the media is under pressure, but you do, however, add that, and I think it's a point you also alluded to a little earlier, that... Um, South African magazine publishing is not performing in line with ad trends when compared to the experience of a global network of magazines. I'd like you to elaborate further on that, please. Um, well, it's a quite an interesting phenomenon that's happened. So if you look at the, um, the, the circulation statistics or the AMS figures over the last five years, you're seeing at least 14 to 20% growth in, in magazines and, and uh, well, magazines, and then if you take the digital component and go as high as 20, 236% growth if you combine the two together. So in other words, any magazine are read together with online, so the two working together. Yet if you look at the advertising spend stats over the same period, there's been zero percent growth, which tells you there's actually a negative growth because what Addix doesn't take into consideration is rate increases. It just looks at volume of ads, counts the number of pages, multiplies them out by your ad rate, and then it gives uh, a number. So what, we, what we're seeing in magazines is a movement of advertising spend away from the media. Mm. And even newspapers have fared better. They, they've achieved over that five-year period about on average, and I'm talking averages now, it will vary year per year, about 11% growth. So I think what, you know, we, what we're trying to, what I, what I think is happening um, in the magazine industry when it comes to advertising spend, is it's always the one media, if you look, I mean, and I'm not counting, sorry, for example, Cinnamon Up, uh, you know, Direct Mail, which has really taken a big knock over the same period. But sometimes with magazines, because they really are around building brands and because they are a, a, a niche, often seen as a niche media, they get bumped off schedule because radio, television deliver bigger numbers. And of course now with digital, it's very hard to see that the money is going out of magazines into digital because it's probably not just digital it's probably a combination of radio television mm. and digital mm. and this often happens to in recessions so we know in the 90s the late 90s and the early 2000s when there was we were seeing a bit of uh, economic weakness we had that asian crisis we also saw an outflow of ad spend into radio and television at that time so it's very difficult to, to pinpoint where but our own evidence in terms of day-to-day in our magazine operation. We are seeing when we are losing business, it is across all three. It's not just digital. And in fact, we, we really believe that there's more opportunity in digital. So we have the opposite view again. We do not see digital as, as a bogey or a negative thing. In fact, I think, if you, if, you, if you want my opinion on it, I think digital is going to actually create longevity in magazines because magazine pu- publishers are very good at creating fantastic content. Um, their supporters, this massive uh, digital fashion website, has just gone and published its first magazine about six months ago. It's gone to its second or third edition now. So I think that as a media, it, it has huge uh, potential in the long run. And digital is the way that's going to help us harness audiences and grow ourselves. Because really, to be honest, we have not been growing in terms of print copies. All right. All right. Ms. Um, Wertheim, I'm talking about the advantages, really, of digitization. Um, Mr. McKend, that's the good story. What's the, the downside of that? What are the greatest challenges associated with this process, the process of the movement from traditional media to the digital media? Is, is it seamless or are there um, challenges? 
Well, I think whenever such uh, seismic shifts happen in the industry, there there will always be pain points. Um, so you will, for instance, see that there are difficulties with um, different media that, uh, such as newspapers, for instance, that struggle to shift to digital fast enough, and as a result, um, literally don't have the, the the users or the readers that enable them to continue being profitable. Um, and I think that's a huge problem. Um, but there are ways that we can mitigate this, and I think one of the biggest things that we need to do is to address the skills gap between uh, traditional media businesses and what's happening in digital at the moment. Um, what we're seeing in South Africa, I think, is a crying need for more sophistication in the digital space. Um, increasingly overseas, you'll find that data is the key determining factor, or understanding the data that you have is the key determining factor of a successful digital business. And I'm not so sure that we're taking advantage of all of the data at our disposal in South African media businesses and from an advertising perspective mm. to actually make sure that digital works for us as well as it does elsewhere in the world. And I think that the closing that skills gap is probably the biggest and most important thing we need to attend to um, to make sure that we have a successful digital industry in South Africa at the moment. Mm. Mr. Sharman, are we taking advantage of the opportunities that exist? I mean, technology has changed the way that we interact on a one-on-one with each other. And, and you know, whether you argue that that is disruptive or not, I guess, depends on who you're talking to. But this obviously also has a profound impact on the way that, that businesses operate in today's digital economy. Are businesses leveraging that? Are they uh, uh, making uh, making use of the opportunities that exist in the space? Um, not enough, to be honest. And I think that you know, in terms of our engagement online, like there's a lot of we're pretty much we've got a, a, a toe in the ocean in terms of what can be achieved. And uh, you know, there are really interesting points there from a, from a Google point of view. And um, just in terms of looking at audiences, looking at data, and the way in which people are consuming content. And I think the most exciting thing about like developments in like telco structuring in terms of data plans and, and other cell phone contracts or even prepaid opportunities, I think people are having a lot more access to to really good, rich media online. And the thing is, we're seeing more and more brands that we work with in particular, you know, starting to take the plunge to go from a video point of view. And, and we love the, the creation of really good video content to be able to engage with people to tell a brand narrative that can create an emotional connection between brand and consumer. And I think there's a way in which the media utilizes or leverages off video mm-hmm. will lead to great successes for different platforms. And I think it's, it's also doing the basics right. So when it comes to the likes of, of YouTube content, a lot of brands aren't encouraging their viewers of their content to actually subscribe at the end. And that's like, it's just tactics like that that are being neglected. Converting viewers' eyeballs into subscribers leading you to create a database of people that are actually engaged with your content and emotionally connected to it that allows you to engage with them on a one-on-one or much more one-on-one opportunity than you would by just showing something once off and then you know not engaging with those people again. So I think it's really important that, that businesses consider um, what the opportunities are and, and start delving into a lot more information. Also, the interesting thing is, is the specializations from different agencies. You know, there's some remarkable content creators out there. There's some incredible and feeders and people who engage with bloggers and online influencers. Influencer marketing is a huge trend that's happening globally and we're starting to tap into from, from our point of view in South Africa. But you know, not a lot of businesses are actually finding the champions within a niche space to actually leverage the, the opportunities that exist. So yeah, I'm a big uh, proponent of, of more education, more thought leadership, 
uh, more business financial investment in digital. Mm. And do you think we'll ever get to a point, Professor Harbour, where um, traditional print is ultimately totally swallowed by the digital spring? Or um, will traditionalists who still like to page through a, a newspaper or a magazine, will they still be catered for? Um, I don't think print will ever disappear entirely. Uh, there will always be some products which uh, work better in print. But I've no doubt that um, much of what we currently view as print will be cheaper and quicker to deliver digitally. Um, And so print will go through major changes and it will shrink. Um, uh, But but the information we're talking about, whether it's news or whether it's newspapers or magazines, um, will will remain newspapers or magazines just uh, delivered differently. Mm. And some people uh, who comment on this topic say that uh, the, the, the traditional print media is in crisis and, and they go on to putting a forecast or, or a date to their forecast saying that daily newspapers may not be around by the year 2014. So you're saying that is highly unlikely? No, I'm not. I think daily newspapers uh, will be superseded by uh, digital delivery because it's so much quicker and more efficient. I think that um, weeklies and monthlies and magazines um, will have more life in print because very often, uh, or sometimes at least, they work better in print. Uh, I think that we will continue to produce in all forms um, um, for some time to come. Mm. And the fact, Mr. McKent, that many South Africans still don't have access to the Internet, I'm sure has a negative bearing to to the growth of the consumption of digital media. Yes, absolutely. But even that has changed very, very quickly over the course of the last three or four years. So if you think about what it costs to buy a smartphone, um, the price has dropped from, uh, well, it's dropped to, shall I say, to something like uh, $50, so less than 500 grand. In some cases, you can go walk into a pet store and buy a smart device that delivers the kind of experience that you would normally have in a very high-end Samsung or iPhone-type device. So I think the, the, the dropping price of devices, um, but as well as, of course, of data, is has really helped more people get connected. I think there are still huge challenges, though, in connecting, for instance, people in rural areas where it's uh, it's very, very difficult to actually lay the kind of cabling that makes the six-line Internet possible. Um, and, and there's a lot more that can be done. I know that we have, for instance, worked in a number of experimental spaces with uh, TV white space projects and the like, um, but I still think that there's a huge gap, um, particularly in those difficult-to-reach areas where we need to try and make sure that every South African actually benefits from the kind of connectivity that you and I experience every mm, day. Mm. And how far are we from, from getting to that point? I mean, you're mentioning one of the disadvantages, uh, the fact that we don't have the infrastructure, the required infrastructure in some of these areas. Uh, still a very long way to go? Well, I think one of the, so if we look at where we are at the moment, I think uh, by all accounts, depending on the experts that you listen to, there might be anything between 15 to 18 million people who are online in a, in a very regular and active way in South Africa at the moment. So, so we have a substantial number of people who, who are already there, um, but that still leaves us with 30 million plus to go. So in terms of absolute numbers, we actually do have some way to go. Um, in terms of the technology, though, we're probably not as far off as, as we think we might be. Um, and alongside regulatory changes that will hopefully make it a little easier for us to use all of the available spectrum in the market, um, it may be that within the next 
if you're optimistic, five to ten years, that we'll see those numbers creep up to much more like 60-70% of the population that, that will be connected. Mm. Well, I look forward to a time when uh, all South, Afri- uh, South Africans have access to the Internet because it just makes life so much easier. But at the same time, I must add that I'm a, I am a traditionalist and uh, I would like to see print media survive this. Professor Harbour, it's likely? Uh, um, as I say, print, print will not die. The emergence of new media has never completely killed um, old media, but it will adapt, it will change, um, and you will choose, uh, you know, you, you, you will go to content where it's delivered efficiently to you and the content you want, and you'll choose um, which device or uh, which, which, in, in which channel you want, uh, you want to use to consume it. Mm. And does content get compromised with the movement from traditional media to, um, to, to digital media, Ms. Wathaim-Imes? Um, you can call me Chazelle, by the way. It's much easier. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I don't believe it does at all. I think that... Um, you know, what's amazing, and early on I think Michael was talking about the resources and, and the skills, and I agree with him, I think there's huge work to be done around improving skills around our digital knowledge, particularly around data, data understanding the data and the way in which people are connecting online. But I think that there's obviously also improvements among journalists and, and publishers around digital expertise. But I don't think it's that difficult, and I say this to you because we know that some of the greatest content producers are sitting in their homes right now making videos that get uh, posted online and then find their way onto CNN News. I was looking at one yesterday uh, of a woman who took a a video of her her little daughter crying because her baby brother might die one day. I mean, he's just been born, but she's so attached to him, and and it was just the sweetest video. Well, you know, she became a publisher, just like that, and she was featured on CNN worldwide. So I think think we've just got to be careful that, um, you know, we don't blow this thing completely out of proportion. I think it's more around changing business models and what people are used to. And if you're not used to, as a journalist, posting online, taking a video and an interview and then going and feeling confident enough to post it, I think that's a different story. And I think that there are obviously skills and the issues there. The video thing is particularly interesting because with magazines, for example, we can't just post any video. If you've got a high-end fashion magazine and you've got clients like Dior or Chanel who expect a certain level of production value, uh, unfortunately, handheld uh, videos that are not edited correctly are not going to wash. But obviously, when you're doing quick news story, um, it's absolutely acceptable. So I think these are all some of the challenges in the, in the way that we run our businesses and how we emulate the best parts of digital but keep the sanctity of the quality and the values of what we stand for in magazines. I think that's more our challenge. But nothing that none of us can get over. Um, I think we're, humans are extremely talented and multi-dimensional people and I think it's absolutely doable. All right, we'll, we'll end it at that. Thank you very much, Jazar, uh, Ms. Jazar Wertheim Eins, and she's publishing editor for Longevity Magazine. Thanks to you too, Professor Anton Harbour, uh, Caxton Director of the Journalism Program at the University of the Witwatersrand, Mr. Luke McKent, Country Director for Google South Africa, and Mr. Mike Sharman, founder for Retrovival Digital Communication. And you're listening to Media at SAFM.